3: They did not want all U.S. forces out of there. They wanted to keep a force of about 3,500 to 4,000 U.S. personnel in Afghanistan, uh, just to provide intelligence, to provide some security and to keep the Afghan forces on track. We don't know whether that would have made a difference, but I can tell you of the failures, John, that are so obvious at this point. The training mission of those Afghan forces, $83 billion worth, clearly failed. The negotiations with The Taliban clearly failed. And you also had a really massive intelligence failure here that the U.S. did not realize how quickly the Taliban could take over. And we have been there for 20 years. We know the Taliban. We have people on the ground. And yet the U.S. was caught unaware and completely off guard.
4: That's the part I don't get. That's Martha Radich of ABC News. Richard Engel, as we played earlier last hour, he, every time he he talked this weekend, he said, this is what I've been reporting for months. I've been reporting that this is going to happen. They've been laying the groundwork in all the provinces around Afghanistan. This was their plan. I told you this was going to happen. So Martha Radish saying our intelligence system failed, that we could we didn't foresee this. How? How does, a, how does a reporter for NBC News have better information than billions of dollars in the CIA and people on the ground and that sort of thing?
0: Well, that was a devastating analysis. Uh, for more analysis, Mike Lyons joins us, military analyst. Mike served with various military organizations, both the United States and Europe, throughout his career. Mike, uh, welcome. How are you?
5: Hey, guys. Great to be back with you.
0: Would you agree with her assessment of the disastrous uh, management of the withdrawal phase? What went wrong?
5: Yeah, I guess there was no plan. Uh, You know, the velocity at which the Taliban take over, coupled with our just thinking that everything was going to be okay. Um, You know, Keturin was always the airport. The fact that we turned Bagram over to them uh, when we did the the past six months, the whatever the Trump uh, administration negotiated with the Taliban, they were violating all those agreements from Doha anyway, and we ignored all those as well and we just I, we just forgot to plan, we just forgot to do things that we normally do from the pentagon 's perspective I, and whether it's it 's clearly neglect and it 's clearly uh, something that uh and people need to be fired for. But the bottom line is now we're in a situation where we're gaslighting America, thinking we're going to get everybody out of there. The, the Taliban have a huge vote as to what's going to happen. I just talked to a guy at Fort Bragg, and you know all those, these units that are heading to Afghanistan, they're not heading anywhere. They're sitting on a tarmac at Fort Bragg waiting to go. Why? Because they, they can't take off and land right now there to begin with. So there's no guarantee those troops are going to get there to, be, to, to start. So, so many things are going wrong and are still going wrong and still could go wrong over the next few days.
4: I appreciated you tweeting at us over the weekend because I hadn't heard that, still haven't heard that really from anybody else. The military perspective of, hey, look, the Taliban get to say whether or not we come in or not at this point. Is that uh, pretty accurate?
5: That's it. And, and so you look at history and where mistakes were made in situations that were similar. In Dunkirk in 1940, the Germans basically let the, the British you know army escape. They allowed the, you know, the boats to come over. You saw the movie. You saw how it worked out. That it was a retreat. But the bottom line is they saved about 300,000 of their troops that the Germans literally could have destroyed right there on the beach. The England would have been forced to surrender and and World War II completely is different if that happens. Go back to Iraq 1990 when the Iraqis failed to attack U.S. forces as they were taking their equipment off the boats in Desert Storm. If they had done that, uh, it would have pushed U.S. forces out maybe three or four years before we could have done Desert Storm. So now, the Taliban getting advice, I'm sure, from the Chinese and the Russians militarily saying, you know what? We can surround the airport right now. We can keep this from happening, take a bunch of hostages, get reparations from the United States, and basically negotiate a surrender because that's really the kind of military they have right now. And we're just pretending to think that the few troops that are there are going to be able to defend that given the fact that virtually the entire our Afghan security forces is to put their weapons down and turn to the side of the Taliban.
0: Wow. So you think we're moving in the direction of that sort of hostage scenario?
5: I, I do. I, if, if the Taliban doesn't take advantage of it, it's their loss. On some of, I hate to say that. I'm working against my own country here, but but I think, and that's why, you know, we're just trying to convince ourselves that we can get people out fast enough. Just do the math: thirty thousand people were trying to get out of that airport. We don't have enough lift capability to do that. The place is landlocked totally. We don't have any kind of any C one thirty or C seventeen. We don't have the we don't have the capability to do that. And then, but we got national security advisors on television this morning telling everybody, "Yeah, it's going to be okay. We're going to get everybody out." I, I, I just am shaking my head, saying, "You, you got to continue going down a path that." We just haven't proven out that that's going, to, that's going to be true.
4: Yeah, the mass media view of this is Biden ordered those four, or five, whatever it is, thousand troops in, and they have gone in. You're saying they have not.
5: No, they're not there. They can't possibly be there. It's, it's, it's not. First of all, we also think about the concept logistically of also bringing in another 5,000 troops to this situation, this already crazy situation. How are you going to feed them? Where are they going to stay in an airport that you saw the picture from the airport this morning? People are on the, on the runway. So I, I know for a fact, some of them aren't there. I know that that's a fact. They're sitting literally on the runway in Fort Bragg right now. So again, I, I think we have to project that. We have to say that that's what's happening right now. And the small forces that's, that are there are, are trying to help out, but there's no crowd control you saw from this morning. If they, if those if 5,000 troops there, you wouldn't see people on the runway like, like we're seeing right now.
4: Now, if I remember correctly, you like the idea of us getting out of Afghanistan.
5: No, sure. I, I think that at at the end of the day um, this could have happened under Donald Trump. It, gets, it all gets back to the plan of how we how we get out. It all had to be conditions-based. We could have got out in 2011. We could have got out in 2013. There's multiple times we could have gotten out, and it all had to be conditions-based. Whether the conditions were laid out to the point where we could do this or not, or, 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 again, they had been clear probably the last 10 days or so. Um, but in some ways, the plan that had been executed by the, by the Biden administration just shows just was, was completely empty. They assumed that the Taliban was not going to do what they've done. They assumed that they were not going to move with the velocity that they've done. They assumed they were going to give us till 9-11. I, I, they, they assumed they looked at history and said, well, it took the North Vietnamese two years after 1973 when the last combat troops left there uh, to roll their tanks into Saigon. I, that's what these guys are doing. They're, they're, they're going to be patient. They're going to do that. And they didn't.
0: Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Uh, Mike, we asked last week for folks who had served in Afghanistan, particularly in training the Afghan army and police, to mm-hmm. write in their experiences, their perceptions, and whether they're surprised at the collapse. And the, uh, the word from them was unanimous and devastating. Now, we mm-hmm. know you've been in touch with the various officers who've been running the show, more or less, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Did they ever share with you just how utterly incapable the Afghan forces seem to be?
5: I'd say they were more on the optimistic side about how things were happening and how the U.S. forces were doing good things there and getting up every day, working the mission. I I do have some pretty close contacts there. Um, But when push came to shove didn't necessarily felt that they thought that the afghan security forces would fold in, in the manner that they folded it, it is just you know it takes so much to do this nation building and you know it's been only really 20 years and it didn't start from from zero um that you need maybe another generation to, to move this along um but I, I think that they were eternally optimistic um now whether or not you know general officers should have been re, you know riding over this thing remains to be seen that secretary of defense was the centcom commander just just three short years ago telling everybody that um, while the training has been huffed that, that they think that things were going to go well so um, it just it just it just perception is reality until the you know the, you, you get start getting punched in the face and you see how the thing goes down.
4: I wish some people would get fired or resign because it certainly seems like it's that level of a disaster but I don't know that we do that anymore as a country. How big a deal is it that the Taliban has got and uh, now has so many of these brand new trucks and guns and all the different things.
5: Sad pictures of, of a lot of that equipment heading off to Iran, which borders Afghanistan. And they have now as many um, Black Hawk helicopters as some other countries do. Now, whether they can fly them remains to be seen, uh, and whether or not some of the Afghan security forces will be working with them. But they have military capability now, and a lot more of it now than they had just last week. We just, we just have to see. There, there are so many unthought of unintended consequences now that this has started going down a path that we we can't hopefully we're starting to plan for um which you know again we can bring the navy we can bring everybody close in but the bottom line is with the landlocked country the way the way afghanistan is we are completely behind april
0: do you think any of the past four presidents have been particularly blameless or particularly inept in their handling of the situation do they all share the blame
5: well share, I think Barack Obama had the chance to get us uh, into a better place because the Taliban wasn 't as strong in the second term of his administration he He comes in to the presidency, says Iraq's the bad war afghanistan 's the good war surges thirty thousand troops into Afghanistan in two thousand and nine when we already had one hundred thousand troops there to begin with so um, we, we at that point he put it he put it based on eighteen months later they 're all going to come out wasn 't conditions based. I think that in 2014, 2015, there was real opportunity to, to say, uh, let's get out uh, completely. He left the the 2,500 and turned that 2,500 over to Donald Trump, uh, thinking that uh, the Trump administration would, would bring those last 2,500 home. Uh, he tried to. I think the military-industrial complex fought him along the way, and, and everybody felt the stalemate was going to be better than what was going to happen now, I think, that this predictable environment. Joe Biden comes in and says, we're just going to continue this plan, and we're not really going to make a plan. We're just going to literally get up and leave, and now we see the situation we're in.
4: How damaging is this to the psyche of the military?
5: So the last time this happens in 1975, it took the military eight to ten years before it, it recovered, frankly. It took, took, took Ronald Reagan, it took a new president, it took... You know, that invasion in Grenada, I think this is going to, uh, the military is going to be really concerned about, you know, how it recommendations it makes. You know, what happens tomorrow now should the Chinese decide to go into Taiwan? Are we going to believe this administration and and are we going to, you know, the military is going to say, oh, we need to do this, this, this and this? So we we are at, at a spot right now where there's not a lot of confidence in, in what's going on. I think, I think that, um, you know, I don't think it broke the military. The Vietnam clearly broke the military, the Army in particular. I'm not sure we're there, but I do think that it's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of self introspection right now and a lot of second thoughts before we decide to do, uh, you know, anything from a military perspective uh, anytime soon. Military analyst Mike
0: Lyons. Mike's, uh, Mike, thanks for the insights. We appreciate it very much. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I don't. I don't see this breaking the military as much as it maybe breaks Americans' trust even further in uh, what we hear from from uh, our government, particularly the president, the secretary of defense, various uh, four star generals telling us how things are going. I mean, if you're not cynical at this point about that stuff, I don't understand you.
4: Well, right, but like he was saying, so that's a problem. If if we if China moved on to Taiwan and all of a sudden we've got a military action going on what, some four-star general is going to come on TV and tell you what's happening and you're going to listen to him? No.
0: No, this this feels like an incredibly precarious moment. I I hope I'm wrong, or I hope that's not borne out, but countries, malign actors around the world have got to be looking at the U.S. right now and thinking, wow, way weaker than I thought, way less organized than I thought. Yeah,
4: not a good look. Our text line's 415295kftc speaking of Barack Obama at some point we got to talk about his big birthday party that has not been treated well by some of the major lefties in America that have come out and blasted him for that whole maneuver and i think that kind of fitting in with the role he played in all the afghanistan stuff is uh, not helping his legacy any hear, hear. Uh, all that on the way
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: So if the right-wing media bubble has to own things like climate change denial, shouldn't liberal media have to answer for, how did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? <laughs> a, a new report in The Atlantic says the media won't stop putting pictures of the beach. On stories about COVID even though it's looking increasingly like the beach is the best place to avoid it. Sunlight is the best disinfected and vitamin D is the key to a robust immune system. Texas lifted its COVID restrictions recently and their infection rates went down in part because of people getting outside to let the Sun and wind do their thing.
4: <laughs> but, That was a couple months old, but I thought it was still a a thing in that the left is it. Doesn't it bother you that your crowd has way inaccurate views of COVID? And that's why blue towns like the one I live in are still so masked up.
0: It's weird. I I would say the clickbait merchants of the modern media world have every bit the morality of the Taliban raping children and... uh, and drug dealers selling fentanyl to fourteen-year-olds. Uh, it's uh, the 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 hot clickbait on the left last week was that Ron DeSantis is a mass murderer. I mean, some of the some of the statements yeah. were truly unhinged. That he's a mass murderer. They ought to call the Delta strain, the Desantis strain, the rest of it. I mean, the, the no, actually. It's just crazy. Ben Shapiro had a pretty amusing list of the most unhinged attacks. But as we said at the time, and how how often does this have to be repeated before people get it or remember it? The COVID. Run it through Texas and Florida. Oh, red states, evil Republicans, blah, blah, blah. And Louisiana, which is a very, very black state. And Mississippi, which is also it is almost as if just the Gulf Coast is getting it now. Well, that was last week. Now, according to the WAPO, of all people, two-thirds of the people who live in the most vaccinated counties now reside in a place considered a hot spot. No way! So the COVID just does what it's going to do no matter what? I'll be damned! The analysis illustrates how rapidly the state of the pandemic changed in July from a problem for the unvaccinated to a nationwide concern through life in highly vaccinated states. I'm sorry, though life in highly vaccinated states is still safer, it is absolutely ripping through uh, various population centers that are actually quite highly vaccinated. Um, and I'm looking at the map and it's just, it's everywhere. It has to do with population density and the thing just goes, it, it goes in one place, lets down, it simmers down in another one. Then before you know it, where it was simmered down, it's simmered up again. And the place that was getting hammered seems to be through the woods. It's just, but that sucky clickbait, if I were able to boil that down into a headline, nobody click on it.
4: So, uh, definitely have some more comments on Afghanistan and some different angles. I want to talk about the media to a certain extent, point on how, uh, old people, I think, like maybe Joe Biden, haven't caught on to the way we get information now. Um, it's not from the morning newspaper, Grandpa Joe. Uh, but want to talk about Barack Obama's birthday party that, for some reason, some of your leading voices on the left decided to attack over the weekend. Hmm. And they're, uh, Their Jesus, their political Jesus, uh, did something they didn't like. Mm, Interesting. So he's partying
0: with celebrities. Uh, I've heard broadcast reports that Joe Biden's actually in assisted living
1: at this point.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty.
2: at Global.edu
0: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
5: Show.
4: Eminem's son has come out as non-binary, so... React to that how you will. I don't quite get what coming out as I'm neither means, but that's a new thing. Um, well, it's, uh,
0: well, yeah, how, how, how am I supposed to react? Okay,
4: so uh, what next? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, so if I'm you am impressed, if you're, if, if you didn't follow the news over the weekend, the Taliban took over the entire country in a week. Now they were laying the groundwork for a while, but the actual getting in the trucks and driving to the towns and taking them over six effing days. Unbelievable. Hitler and Rommel would say, my hats are off to you. That is really some blitzkrieg. I mean, that's just, if if you just, if you told the Taliban, look, I need you to deliver Girl Scout cookies to every one of these towns in six days, I would think the response would be, wow, we're going to have to come up with some logistics, we're going to have to do a little planning here. I mean, that's a that's a big country. That's a lot of, wouldn't you think, just... It's a tough landscape. Yeah, they're log- it's a logistical nightmare. If you're just going to drive through all those towns with all those vehicles, you'd think it'd be hard, let alone... Of course, most of the towns didn't put up a fight at all, um, and uh, and then there was some belief, including by me, that the Taliban, you know, the, the Kabul, the the capital part, will take a while. Okay, they're outside mm-hmm. of Kabul, but it's going to be a while. This could drag on for months. This could be like, you know, uh, Stalingrad or something like that. Who knows how long? No, they they, they came in the, the in the morning. They just drove into town. The uh, the 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 president of the country left. Our ambassador folded up the flag and headed to the airport, and that was that. I think the the question that had to be
0: answered was, what percentage of the people in Kabul or in the country at large, it's very small, but what percentage of the people in Kabul were so interested in a modern nation state that they would fight for it? Turns out the answer is not enough, not nearly enough.
4: No, um, which is really an interesting topic. A couple of things for you, and then... Um... What Obama's ambassador to Afghanistan had to say about Biden currently, I thought was really something. But to, to set that up, this is Jason Crow. He's a Democrat from Colorado. He was an Airborne Ranger, I believe. He's got a military background. But he's, a, he's a, in the House of Representatives, and he was on uh, one of the cable news channels yesterday and said this is what he's hearing from people. i been on the phone almost constantly the last couple of days, and, and I'm sitting here, got my, my iPhone with me, and every time I open up my iPhone, I check my messages. Uh, I'm getting messages from people begging for help. Uh, I'm getting
0: passport photos from Afghans wanting me to help get their children out. I'm, I'm hearing stories of
4: Afghans saying that they're making suicide packs. So when the Taliban roll into their neighborhood, um, uh, they're going to do what's necessary to make sure that their children, their daughters aren't enslaved by the Taliban. Families are making suicide packs. They'll kill their children then kill themselves rather than let the Taliban do what they're going to do to their daughters and mom. That's the situation in Af- that we've left in Afghanistan, yeah. which is just incredible. Now, I was a get out guy. This was going to happen no matter what. That part was going to happen no matter what if we got out. There was nothing we could do that was going to stop that, I don't think.
0: Right. Right, you know, we got this uh, email. We've received a number of emails from folks who served in Afghanistan, <clears throat> giving their impressions of how this happened and and their reaction to it. And we appreciate them. Mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty dot com. If you want to email us, Mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty um, Got this note from a, a gent who was a Navy corpsman talking about how little interest m- most Afghans have in a modern life in general. But then he says, I do, however, feel terrible for the women and young girls in that country. They are doomed to lead a life of unspeakable oppression and horrors we only read about in books or watch on TV shows like The Handmaid's Tale. Even some of the fathers of daughters understand the imminent fate that await the children they love. We used to have dads try to give us their daughters and say, take our daughters to America with you. Please marry our daughters and take them. Um, As a father of two young girls, that horror resonates uh, in me in a deeply personal level. And listen to this. This is dark, my friends. This is not for the kids. I mean, it's not horrific. It's just astounding. Well, I guess it is horrific. I remember a specific instance of horrific cruelty that exemplifies the way women are viewed in that society and other arcane, predominantly Muslim cultures. I've been with them enough to know by now. A woman was brought by her husband to our aid station. We treated locals often and frequently, hearts and minds, you know. She had a pretty severe hand injury that occurred when it was lodged in a farm implement. Women often do far more manual labor than men in that country, even when they're visibly pregnant. A 40-year-old woman in Afghanistan looks like an 80-year-old in America. We informed the man that we could sew her hand up, stop the bleeding, but could not make any guarantees that there wasn't going to be a lifetime ligament and tendon damage that would reduce the functionality of her hand. The husband's response was, oh, then kill her. We said, uh, we're not going to kill your wife. She's going to live. Her hand might just not be 100%, and you should take her to Lashkarga for higher level care. His response, no, no, no. If her hand won't work, she's of no use to me. So take her and kill her. I have no idea the fate that befell her, but I can only assume it's the worst.
4: Oh, boy. Um, while we're it's in a hell of a society. While we're in a dark place as to us leaving, Bill Crystal tweeted this out yesterday. His, uh, I don't know. You either know him or you don't. He's a thinker-talker. He used to be a super conservative Republican, but then he went all Never Trump, so he fell in love with the MSNBC crowd. But anyway, uh, Bill Crystal. I just got off the phone with someone who recently returned from his third tour in Afghanistan. He emphasized we had responsibility not just to translators and others with uh, SIVs, but to Afghan troops, pilots, and special forces in particular who'd fought bravely by our side. He's now forwarded me a text message From an Afghan friend, he asked that I tweet it. Terrorists are going door-to-door, the Taliban he's talking about, are going door-to-door and killing pilots and special forces troops, raping their families and taking their houses. Two of my friends in Kabul were shot dead. That happened over the weekend. Wow. While the Biden administration, for some reason, and I honest to God don't get this, while the Biden administration and Nancy Pelosi and others are saying things like, the world is watching. We're hearing stories of what of things that could be called war crimes. We're hearing about atrocities. I hope this isn't happening. You will be held in judgment on the world stage. You're isolating yourself in the eyes of the world community. What universe do you live in where this crowd is going door to door killing and raping people gives a crap about that Nancy or 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 Secretary Blinken or president biden i just i i honestly can't wrap my head around this this isn't your normal bullcrap political stuff for a cable news channel trying to fire up your side this is real life and i don't know what they're talking about do they actually believe their own crap
0: i don't know it seems so childlike and odd is it just that they don't have the vocabulary to describe reality all they have are a few well-worn lines uh when when this sort of situation happens and then so they go with them they recite them they recite the the lines the, uh, you know from the play is there's that, no relationship to reality
4: is that being uh you know you you uh, tends to be democrats who believe in the whole un and you know world community and stuff like that or are they just do they just believe in that so much they they can't imagine that even a group like the taliban wouldn't be horrified to think you know, that it the world community me. is frowning on their actions. I just got it. I just got it.
0: The alternative is admitting we have perpetrated or permitted, depending on how you look at it, um, events that are so horrifying, so unspeakable, so sad and sickening that it'll forever scar our reputation. Or they could say, oh, there'll be a reckoning. Don't worry. They won't get away with this. To to save face.
4: I think it's saving face. Because the only other thing you could say is, yeah, there's nothing we can do to stop this. We
0: let them do it, and they're going to get away with it.
4: They're going to kill and rape all the women. They're going to kill everybody who helped us over the last 20 years. They're going to kill them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Including
0: charity workers. That's one, you know, uh, not often uh, described aspect of this. There were all sorts of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, uh, educating girls and getting clean drinking water and and the rest of it. And anybody who worked, any Afghan who worked with those organizations is considered a traitor and a Westerner and the rest of it. So they're getting, you know, murdered and, and raped and tortured and the rest of it.
4: So, in just a second, you might know the name Ryan Crocker. He was the ambassador to Afghanistan under Barack Obama. What he said about Joe Biden, pretty shocking. We'll have that for you next, but we ought to tell you about Simply Safe for your own home security. Crime is up. People's perception of crime is up. You know why people per- perceive that crime is up? Because crime is up.
0: That's why. People are funny that way, yeah. And so, if you want to keep your family safe from criminals, also from fire in case of a medical emergency simply safe home security is not only a great choice it is the best choice you ought to get on the website check it out and and you're going to be impressed everybody is simply safe award-winning home security
4: so go to simplysafecom slash armstrong you click around for a couple of minutes to customize the system to your home then it comes to you in the mail in about a week you set it up yourself in about 30 minutes and if you need any help Plenty of Simply Safe people are just a click away to help you get the thing set up. But it's simple to set up, simple to use, and then you've got the uh, protection, fire, burglary, medical emergency when you've got the Simply Safe system. And as
0: our listeners you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring services just go to simplysafe.com/armstrong simplysafe.com/armstrong
4: So you know Trump ran on getting out of these endless wars Barack Obama ran on getting out of these endless wars There are lots of people on the left and the right, Republicans and Democrats who wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Polls showed an overwhelming majority of people want to get out of Afghanistan. So I, I think everybody should remember that. I feel like there are some people over the weekend that, that fell into a, uh, you know, we shouldn't have gotten out mindset that they didn't believe in just a week ago. That seems weird. So a lot of this stuff was going to happen no matter what. All the stuff with not getting the translators out. All the stuff at the airport, that should have been planned for. Inexcusable. People should be fired or impeached or resign over that stuff. But even if we had done it orderly, a lot of these horrors were going to happen. They just oh, were. Absolutely.
0: The, the raping the the women of your uh, opponent is considered a fair game in that part of the world. That was going to happen.
4: Right. But uh but the way it was handled is just You can't even wrap your head around what what they're doing and saying. So Obama's former ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker, who, God, I used to see him on Charlie Rose all the time. He's on there, it seems like, once a week talking about Afghanistan. He said over the weekend, I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about Biden's ability to lead our nation as commander-in-chief. Wow. That's a strong statement from Biden's old bosses, ambassador to Afghanistan. I'm not I sure hope they to...
0: don't have the TV on there at the uh, assisted living center where Joe Biden is reputed to be uh, resting right now. Come
4: on. I think you can correctly assume that that guy and Joe Biden have been in many a room together up late at night discussing policies in Afghanistan uh, when uh, Joe was the vice president. And he doesn't. he's not sure that Biden can continue to lead this country as commander in chief. That's a heck of a thing to say. Yeah, I have thoughts on that topic.
0: Uh, we probably ought to take a break, but um, I do want to talk. Yeah, I see his point.
4: I do want to talk about how some of the lefty media has turned on Barack Obama's birthday party. I just find it hilarious. Yes, luckily something that's not so, you know the, the, so close to the bone, life and death that we can laugh at.
1: Next, Armstrong and Getty.
5: The
4: Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, Latest on the fallout right. from the Afghanistan debacle, one of the biggest debacles in U.S. history uh, to kick off Hour 3. It's a pretty interesting. Um, some of Barack Obama's biggest fans have been lit, lighting him up over the weekend about his birthday party. That was just a little too much for a lot of people. Lawrence Tribe, law professor. Well, I'll read his tweet. He explains who he is. Lawrence Tribe tweeted out, As Barack Obama's longtime friend and former law school teacher, and as an admirer of much of what he and Michelle have accomplished, I find this whole over-the-top, hyper-opulent birthday saga utterly disgusting, pathetically shallow, and frankly nauseating. Those are some strong terms from one of your friends. Man, and utter, for once in my life, I agree with uh, Lawrence Tribe. Utterly disgusting, politically, uh, pathetically shallow, and frankly nauseating. Marine Dowd of the New York Times, who was a big Barack Obama fan, wrote an opinion piece, and I'll jump kind of in the middle of it. It's hard to stop thinking about the over-the-top party the former, former president held at his Martha's Vineyard mansion for his 60th birthday. It's such a perfect taxonomy of the Obama arc. As president, he didn't try hard enough on things we needed. He was a diffident debutante with a distaste for politics. Post-presidency, he's trying too hard on things we don't need. The culture's already swimming in Netflix deals, celebrity worship, ostentatious displays of wealth, not to mention podcasts. Did the world really need renegades, his duet with Bruce Springsteen? We already knew Obama gravitated to stars, but it was disillusioning to see it on such a grand scale this last weekend. Uh, and she talked. She starts quoting a bunch of people about how tone deaf the Obamas were at this moment with COVID and the economy and everything going on to throw this party.
2: Uh, Did I screwed up. <laughs>
4: uh, the Obamas are uh, in Marie Antoinette, tacky, let them eat cake mode. Let them eat cake mode. Um, I'd say so. Wow! Uh, wow! It's it, not just critical. I mean, it's scathing. Oh, absolutely! Absolutely! And about how he threw all the people because the people that he canceled, remember, he had the big guest list, then he had to pare it down. Uh, most of the people he canceled were the people that he helped that helped to get him elected, and how now he just loves to just feel like he's Beyonce and Jay Z and the movie stars. And you know, I've I've come to the conclusion that while I didn't like his politics, I I liked him all right. I think he's way shallower than I thought. I think he. I think he is. What we always talk about. You fall for smooth-talking, good-looking people. You just assume there's way more going on in that, you know, good-looking head. I think he's mm-hmm. one of those people. I think he might just be incredibly shallow. You know, I don't want
0: to steal your thunder because I know you want to talk about the Matt Taibbi piece that came out a day or two ago. But uh, Taibbi blasts him for that very thing. Yeah, just a- being a star blanker.
4: We'll read a little bit of that. The vanishing legacy of Barack Obama. And Matt Tybee was a huge Barack Obama guy back in the day. On the road from stirring symbol of hope and change to the fat Elvis of neoliberalism, birthday partying Barack Obama sold us all out.
0: (laughs) The fat Elvis of neoliberalism. That's a good line. Oh,
4: and I love this Tolstoy quote he starts with, which I actually hadn't heard. It's amazing how complete is the delusion that beauty is goodness. That's what I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. There's a glorious moment in the life of a certain kind of politician when either because their careers are over or because they're so untouchable politically that it doesn't matter anymore that they finally get to remove the public mask. This covid bash was Barack Obama's effort moment. He extended middle fingers in all directions. <laughs> I love that. Obviously, getting rich and not giving an S anymore is the birthright of every American. But this wasn't supposed to be in the script for Obama, whose remarkable heel was. His remarkable heel turn has been obscured by the Trump years, which incidentally were at least partly his fault. Good point. The history books, uh, I wouldn't say fault, but the the reason Trump got elected was Barack Obama. The history books in the still starstruck press will let him skate on this, but they shouldn't. Obama was set up to be the greatest of American heroes, but proved to be a common swindler and one of the great political liars of all time. God, between him, Maureen Dowd, and Lawrence Tribe, I mean, not just, this didn't look good, and I'm kind of, you know, disappointed in you. You're a liar, you're a fraud, you're pathetically shallow. Is that one the best the greatest, you can come up with?
0: One, one of the greatest swindlers of all time. And Taibi goes into great detail over the, uh, you know, when uh, Barack uh, Obama took office in 08, and the whole economic collapse thing was going on, how he immediately leapt into bed, I mean, like, enthusiastically with the very Wall Street robber barons who he'd been criticizing. And, man, he took their money, he took their services while they got to keep their jobs and get giant bonuses, then gave them hundreds of millions of dollars, and the rest, oh, my God. And then they showered him with more money than he and his campaign could ever spend. It was so unholy.
4: Moreover, his remarkably vacuous post-presidency is proving true. Everything Trump said in 2016 about the grasping Washington politicians whose only motives are personal enrichment and who'd do anything for a buck. Obama did that. He sold us out. And it's time to start talking about the role he played in bringing about the hopeless, cynical mess that is modern America. I think Barack Obama's star has taken a turn.
0: Yeah, it usually goes the other way with former presidents, but... Yeah, the sins of his administration were never examined because the, the, everybody was such a fanboy and or girl in the media.
4: Man, that's some withering stuff from all three of those people. Armstrong and Getty.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
3: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
3: important information.